0: Hello, friends. It's your host, Akande Adirili. I'm back with an episode recorded a couple of months ago, kind of at the very beginning or just pre-pandemic. And at the time, um, a lot of pressing things came up around the pandemic, you know, coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera, that we had to cover with regards to the African continent. So we kind of delayed this episode. It's still a fantastic episode, and we discuss... Uh, with Daniel Adigbe, here, the renewable energy landscape, what objectively the challenge looks like from a developmental standpoint, and why it should likely be our future. We discuss energy quite often on this on this podcast because it's an important part of of evolving into developed and developing uh, economies. So I said to my my cousin Daniel Adigbe, and we we chat and discuss about. The, the, the landscape on, in, in Africa, and he, he really breaks it down for us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. 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 Welcome. Hello. Welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akiyade Adirile. And I have the great pleasure of being here with an incredibly knowledgeable, wonderful individual. Also happens to be my cousin. So this is family, this is bud. So if you rate me highly, I hope you extend the same to him. Actually, he's probably rated more highly than he rates me because he does what he's doing and he's very smart. And today we're going to spend some time talking about renewable energy on the African continent. Um, He has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the field. Um, His name is Daniel. Daniel, please tell my wonderful listeners who you are.
1: Hello cousin, hello (laughs) cuz. I'm Daniel, Daniel Adekbier, a um, renewable engin- engineer by, for money, for, by profession. Um, I've always had that interest, you know, ever since, ever since my young days in Nigeria, Cameroon, Kenya, Uganda. Um, being in a position now where I can look back and realize that I'm kind of living my dream and working in the field that I've always loved is, yeah. is a real pleasure. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this podcasting. I love what you're doing with the, with the space, you know, Pod Save Africa. I listened to a couple of podcasts here and there, you know, um, and I, I just, I love this sort of um, mirror that the diaspora is holding up to the continent in wanting to be part of the conversation. Uh-huh. I respect it.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. So I think, what would be a good place to start? I think that uniquely, so, so as my cousin, uh, we spent a little bit of time in Nigeria. Let me just give some, Give. Let's have some context. Spent a little bit of time in Nigeria together, but then you moved around quite a bit. Uh, How about you? Give us, tell us about your life. Tell tell the listeners who you are, what has happened to you. So,
1: born in the infamous Lagos, Um, mom and dad worked for the church. We lived in in Cameroon, we lived in Uganda, well, we lived in Uganda first, Mm -hmm. Kenya, Cameroon last and um, Cameroon is where I remember, I remember because in Cameroon we never had um, a blackout, yeah. the only time we had a blackout was when the army was moving through the city in okay. Douala and um, I remember then going back to Nigeria when I was eight, nine, we would have blackouts all the time, days and it was so bizarre because I, I remember looking up to dad saying, why can't we power everything from the sun? You know, that kind of, that kind of attitude. But yeah, that's my background I've, I've, I'm a Pan-African at heart, really and truly. Um, Cameroon probably still holds a really special place in my heart because of, it was a, it's where I remember the most, mm. almost. Um, and then after Cameroon, we lived in Nigeria again for about a year and then we moved to England, north of England. And so I've, from age 10 till now, I'm 27 now. So the majority of my life has been spent in England. Yeah. Um, and I've worked I've worked all over. Um, I've worked all over. I graduated in 2015 um, from the University of Nottingham. I've worked in Birmingham. I've worked in London. I worked in the south of France. And then I came back to Newcastle, my home city. And then... I'm actually now working in Paris for Total for the renewable in the solar division. So it's been a it's been a journey. and yeah. a journey and I'm here and uh, we thank God. Uh,
0: we thank God, really. We really yeah. do. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think and just for the listeners, just so you, so you guys can pity me a little bit. I haven't seen my cousin since he left Nigeria when we was ten. So for real, I need for to real. do better. Um, no, we here. are. Yeah, contribute towards our GoFundMe for a ticket from and go see my cousin. We'll send you a photo. Okay, but yeah, that's that's gonna happen soon, I'm sure. But yeah, let's let's get right into it. I think you know we've we've looked at the space of like resources. And how mm-hmm. Africa is Africa so rich and so wealthy? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that that has always bugged me is that how are we so wealthy and like a lot of the base infrastructure that a lot of other countries mm-hmm. have, we don't have. And and one of the main ones is energy, right? Like you said, you know, remember coming back to Nigeria when you were ten, which was mm-hmm. seventeen years ago, and there were blackouts all the time. I'm mm-hmm. not pleased to report to you that. Actually, I said simple like this. They are still blackouts all the time. Yeah, um, that's ridiculous. It, it is, and it feels like such a for profoundly basic problem. But let's step yeah. outside of that for a, for a, for a second. Let's look at the entire African continent now. Mm-hmm. Um, based on your experience, your knowledge, your reading, et etc., et what's mm-hmm. your what's your assessment of 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 the current state of energy on the African continent? Like, who's using what? What are the major sources of of energy? What What are your thoughts?
1: Well it 's so diverse, the continent is so diverse, and it'll be interesting to see how two thousand and twenty will shape things up in terms of you know the economic decoupling from the u s and china will have an, an impact on investments in africa um, now i 'm not too clued up on the finance side, but it 's definitely going to have an effect because a lot of funding um, is either from china or um, yeah. or the US, uh, but also the European Development Bank, um, EBRD, they also invest a lot. They, the EBRD sponsored the largest solar farm, I think it's currently the largest solar farm in the world, Benban in Egypt.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Benban in Egypt is,
0: how many, how many,
1: it's 1.6 gig, if I recall correctly, it's 1.6 gigawatts, it's huge. It's okay. a huge solar farm so
0: give us context okay we don't even know which one is smaller one okay is. So give yeah, us no, how much is 1.6 gigawatt
1: so a gigawatt roughly in a developed country is for about a million people okay. Okay. so in in england in the uk in the united kingdom we have uh about 65 gigawatts of energy generating capacity. That includes everything from hydro to coal to renewables. Mm. And we have a population of about 65 to 70 million.
0: Wow. Okay. So,
1: but in, in contrast, you get a country like France that uses, that has a capacity of 133 megawatts, but has 70 million people. But France, 50% of its energy is nuclear. So they can. A lot of that is sold to Germany and Spain, okay you know so the nuclear nuclear forms a base is a base load okay um that 's why proponents of nuclear of which i'm not i 'm not either all. Um, I think nuclear can be part of the future solution, I know some people are highly opinionated against it um, but you get you get in France huge capacity, and then selling. France sells a lot of its energy. Like Denmark. Denmark is 90% hydro, but they sell a lot of that to Sweden and
2: Finland.
1: So, yeah, a gigawatt is about a million people. Okay. So, for perspective, that's the UK. Nigeria has a capacity of 12 gigawatts for 200 million people. Okay. So, that's terrible.
0: That's, that's, uh, so,
1: that's very bad. Yes. Um, and Nigeria that's has...
0: Capacity, a, not actual supply.
1: That's, yeah, ex- exactly. So, the access rates, access rates in Nigeria is less than 50%. So, less than 50% of people have access to actual electricity. And then, of those 43% of people that do have access to electricity, it's not constant. Mm and needless to say we know how pivotal um electricity is to an economy i think it was um is it power africa is the us aid arm of of um the us they estimate that for every one dollar invested in electrical infrastructure you gain 15 dollars wow so this you know energy is critical And a lot of countries are seeing, you know, Egypt has seen the light. Egypt built the largest solar farm. Um, I'm currently working on a couple of South Africa projects as well. South Africa Africa is a complex case because the, the coal and fossil fuel lobby in South Africa is really strong. And they've managed to reduce the tariffs for solar. But even despite that, the renewable energy program in South Africa is um, accelerating so they're about to build uh, they, they want to build they want to convert some former mines into solar farms and mm. um, I know of one I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to disclose yeah I'm not sure how much of this public
2: <laughs>
1: but but they're looking at like they're looking at a hundred plus megawatt solar farms so um,
0: like uh, you so get about the math real quick how many how many kilowatts is a megawatt how many megawatts is a gigawatt help this
1: So okay uh in terms of size as well so a, me- a megawatt peak of solar for example is we normally estimate about 1.3 hectares per megawatt so that's the amount of space it will take up
0: that it will take up 1.3 hectares yeah. per megawatt so
1: a you know um
0: like a large- typical
1: yeah yeah so so typical um typical sizes i can't I can't even say typical anymore because you know the the, the UAE. i'm working on projects in Saudi now that are four hundred megawatts, six hundred megawatts it's, but they've got unlimited land yeah they're just, you know so they just plonk, huge swathes of solar.
2: Mm.
1: And, um, you know, I worked on, you know, Saudi Arabia's got a a program called Repto. And they just finished around Repto 2, where they were auctioning for 1.5 gigawatts of solar. And now, and this should demonstrate the intelligence behind it, because you know, UAE, Saudi, 90% of their income comes from oil. And they're reading, they're reading between the lines. They know where the industry is going. Yeah. You know? Um,
0: so if they are making those types of moves, talk less of us that are also heavily exactly. dependent. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, um, you've got the likes of Saudi, which is now trying to develop its own even solar base. Mm. They've got, um,
2: you
1: know, countries like Saudi also impose rules like local content laws. So does South Africa. Um, I believe Egypt did as well for the Benban project they had something like a thousand workers on site every day wow. and there was a mandate that a certain percentage had to be locals Yeah. so job employment is there tick sustainability tick um, and then that diversi- diversification away from fossil fuels tick yeah. and that third point is very big um, because, and it's also becoming common sense. Because, at the moment, the price of solar has dropped so drastically that a a watt peak costs less than it's it's down to twenty cents per watt peak.
0: A watt peak?
1: Okay. So, for perspective, um, we it's now cheap than coal.
0: it's now cheaper than coal. Okay.
1: It's now cheaper than coal.
0: Okay.
1: Um at least in the west. Um and then you've got onshore I, I talk about solar a lot because that's my that's my field. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. When you've got onshore and then offshore turbines wind turbines. And the problem the problem with those kind of projects wind in particular is um it requires a high level of expertise and finance so a solar farm from start to finish from start to cod which is completion completion of date or something um, it takes about 12 months okay you say you come to your developer and you say i want a 52 megawatt plant on this mountain and they say okay it will cost you about 40 million
0: is that like an accurate cost yeah that's
1: an accurate cost yeah right. guys that's on the a, that's
0: podcast, a, you're hearing 40 million dollars so if you, if you have big pockets let's go yeah build. yeah yeah hit us up. well you know
1: a lot of it is now financed. uh banks are favorable towards um
0: really? okay
1: these kind of financing because even the, even the african development Bank. Um, is geared, I think they've recently recently announced they will no longer be funding fossil fuel, fossil power projects. Wow, okay. I'll have to verify that, but I believe, you know the Nigerian guy who's the head of uh, FDB, he did indicate that there'll be, I think he's cut off funding for fossil fuel. And there's a huge shift towards renewables. And the likes of Kenya, Kenya is so far ahead in terms of development. Yeah. Um, Kenya, has, Kenya has built the largest wind farm, onshore wind farm, Turkana wind farm. Wow. <clears throat> um, they've got two projects, Isiolo coming up, which is 52 megawatts, which is something I'm working on. They've got project, 52 megawatts, Malindi, which is by the coast. Wow. They've got, but also this is because of the tariffs that they've put, so they've encouraged foreign investment. And um, although Kenya is primarily focused on geothermal because they have um, they have the right conditions for it, okay. They're probably going. They're probably going to invest in geothermal more over the next couple of decades.
0: Okay, so, quick question: That fifty-two megawatts, how many homes is that? Is that like a hundred homes? Well,
1: it's different in Kenya and UK. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Um, a megawatt typically powers um, let me do some it's different I know in the UK it's about a megawatt is about 600 homes that's why I can scale it up to say okay so Mm -hmm.
0: 52 times that 600
1: yeah so yeah a megawatt is about 600
0: homes 1,200 yeah 1,200 homes Sorry, yeah. I, I'd like to hope my math is right, but it might not. That's, be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's about that's about right.
0: Thirty thousand homes, which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a that's a town. That's a local government. That's
1: a town. Okay, it's a town.
0: And yeah. how many hectares is that? What were you saying?
1: So a hect, uh, it's down to about one point three hectares
0: Hectors. per megawatt. Ah, huh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's, that's really fascinating. Do you mm-hmm. think that we have, because, okay, so based on what you said, just kind of recapturing that first question, um, mm-hmm. it appears that Egypt is probably the leader on the continent, South Africa a close second, and then Kenya doing a great job as well. Are there any other players? Yeah.
1: Those are the three major players
0: right now. Okay, are there in any is that is Nigeria? Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, you've got, you know, you've got Morocco. Morocco has okay. got the largest con- concentrated solar power plant. they are also, you know, big plans to, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, they want to construct a huge solar farm in the desert, in the Sahara. Yes, uh, yeah. But it's embroidered in con- controversy because the plan it was going to be sponsored by the EU, and they were going to sell the energy to the EU.
0: Okay. You know, and so
1: there's that sort of
0: Yeah, it's like are you are we really building it for us or are we building yeah, it? For you? Are you, you just know, sort of on our land?
1: Yeah, it's it's controversial, you know, it's very controversial. It's yes. a form of energy colonialism yes. almost.
0: Something we have to be very careful of as well. Yes.
1: Right. And then you've got the likes of Ethiopia. Hmm. Ethiopia is building a six gigawatt dam. It's gonna be one of the largest dams. Built. Uh, it's due. That, uh, it's due to be. The
0: that's a grand renaissance, grand stand. renaissance stand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also also marred in controversy. It's like everything. Oh <laughs>
1: man! I think even just today, you know, there's there's a bit of um, back and forth between Egypt and Ethiopia,
2: yeah.
1: and um, the African Union is getting involved. I think the EU is getting involved as a mediator as well,
2: yeah.
1: because Egypt depends on the Nile for ninety percent of its water needs. Yeah. Uh Um, and yeah in my opinion the thing with hydro is that you build it and it sits there for a hundred years and it just produces electricity you know just in and out water you hold it you let it flow you generate energy electricity it's and and there's pros and cons Um, the pros are I've read that It could also help with um, climate change because you hold the water and it stops evaporation. Mm. So like, you know, like Lake Chad dried up, for example.
2: Yes. Now, if
1: if you've got the Grand Renaissance Dam, it will hold the water a lot more and it will prevent evaporation. But the cons, you know, what would be the effect of damming the Nile? That has never been down in the history of mankind. Yeah. You know, we don't know.
2: Yeah. We don't
1: know. Um, what would be the effect on farming in Ethiopia? Downstream, or In, in Egypt. Yeah. You know? um, but Sudan is on board with Ethiopia. Sudan yeah. and Ethiopia are on the same side. It's now Egypt. Egypt go. have even threatened to... Go to war? Yeah. They've yeah. threatened to go yeah. to war. Right?
0: Um, and just to give listeners a, a little <coughs> additional context... Um, like a few other northern hemisphere, actually, it's not really. The, it's partly the northern hemisphere, but it flows north. The river flows north. Unlike mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a lot of people, just instinctively expect it to flow south, and that's not the case. Yeah. Um. The, I think it's what's the rule? Like it flows away from you, something like that. Um. But the there's a the Blue Nile. And another river that connects to form the Nile, and then those go up north to be the Big Nile in the mm-hmm. in, into Egypt basically. And that Blue Nile leg flows through both Sudan and um, and Ethiopia, and I think one more country as well, um, and, and flows so Egypt. Uh, so Ethiopia is just saying we're going to dam the part that's on our land because we need the. And Egypt is like, whoa, wait, you're upstream of us, so you're gonna, you're, whatever damning you do is going to affect us. Exactly. It's a major thing that falls into it now. So um, that's why there's smoke in that area. So we'll, see, we'll have to see, see how that plays out. Sorry, I always try and just give context. because
1: No, it's good. It's good because I think it's going to become major news. You know, because, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, you've got Abiy Ahmed, who's just won the Nobel Peace Prize. So yeah. the world has definitely seen him. Favor- favorably, and mm-hmm. um, and his country is getting more EU support. Mm-hmm. But Egypt have a legitimate case.
0: Yeah,
1: you know. <laughs>
0: think about the Egypt and the Nile, like you can't imagine those two things. Without, exactly. You know, yeah.
1: Exactly. Like, you know, the it's it's so it's intrinsic to even the country's true. I think, I think cultural like, identity, know, that
0: national like symbol or something. The river Nile itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So just kind of rolling on from that, that beef a little bit. Um, so I wanted to like just kind of run through, and we already started to do this in a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. I wanted to say, okay, let's say we have a city of 100,000 people, Right, a 100,000 mm-hmm. people, let's say Undo Town, which is where mm-hmm. your, your parents are from, uh, you know, your dad mm-hmm. is from, Undo Town. How's 100,000 mm-hmm. people who want to build, want to build a, let's say, solar power plant? You know, your, your mm-hmm. solar. What, what would the steps be like? What would that take?
1: so on a governmental level you need you need land rights land acquisition mm-hmm. and land acquisition and mm-hmm. land rights particularly in africa can be very tricky okay. it, it's it's not a it can make a break a project right at the start and it's done so in kenya kenya you know because um kenya has a very interesting like, people own the land. So yeah. you have to...
2: People the rights.
1: Yeah, you have to lease the land from individuals. Yes. You know, it's, it's not like China where you can say, the government says...
0: Yep. So, you know, so this is our land now. <laughs> this is the
1: land. and you know.
0: Lots of parts of Nigeria too, actually. Well... Nigeria, yeah. well, the Government can come today and say, no longer a house. <laughs> <But>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen it happen multiple times, yeah. especially for our most vulnerable folks. So, yes, you were saying.
1: So, that's the first thing, land acquisition. Um, A lot of the problems that Nigeria faces has been a transparent regulator. Mm. And that means, who is in charge of paying the tariffs? Will they pay? Do they have a record of paying? Mm. Can they be trusted? So, in each of those questions, Kenya have answered those. Kenya has reliably paid its... It it set a generous tariff. It's reduced its tariff now.
2: um,
1: But it paid... It paid the the banks back. It paid the EPCs. And they are trustworthy. And so, because of that, more people are investing in Kenya. Kenya is seen as a legitimate place to invest in renewable energy right now. Wow. Okay. You know, so that ground is necessary. Yeah. And then the next step is, um, you send up uh, a request for proposal. RFP. So, an RFP, you say, you announce on your website, on the government website, we want to build a 100 megawatt plant in Undo. And nowadays, you're probably gonna say hybrid. There's there's a movement towards, you know, the future's hybrid projects. So you're gonna see solar and um, energy storage on the same site. So you say, you know, I want to build. A, let, let's let's be reasonable and say 50 megawatt plant. And then you open your bids up, and then you'll get you'll get bids from the likes of Power China. Um, you know, you've got giants like Total, Shell, who are getting in on the action. And you've got like some Statcraft, SkyPower. So these are huge developers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the developers will make a proposal. And then there will be, so the, the government of Onder will appoint a consultant to manage the proposals. And then, as part of the political stint, you could say 10% of the manpower must be locals. Um, you, then, you then produce a soil report, you produce an environmental report. Nowadays, environmental reports are critical. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, can't just, <laughs> you can't just destroy a habitat yeah. and expect funding from a bank that's another key. You need a bank. Um, And I I can't speak too much about the bank side because I've not really been involved on the bank side. But I know that nowadays for a a regulated bank to really sponsor you, they want to follow the UN development goals. They want to make sure um, if you can, you're employing women. If you can, you're helping the environment. You're making sure you're not destroying Historical um, artifacts, making sure that the locals are on board with it. There's a local community representative, so all these things are key to obtaining financing. Um, of course, this is if it's your private land, you can do what you want. You know, it's about getting a bank and a developer on board. So then you get a developer, say Total, who I work for, and then Total, I will then, I will then investigate which solar manufacturer should i use which i then put a proposal out to solar manufacturers like Jinko power ja solar canadians or longi um, q and then one of them is going to provide me with the cheapest solar and then i send out a proposal to inverter manufacturers i say who's going to give me the cheapest inverter and then I do the same with my trackers. And then I compile this list. I can decide to be, total can decide to be a developer that builds or they can then employ an EPC. Okay. Engineering, Procurement, Construction. Right. EPCs like Stone & Wilson, um, Lanson & Tobero, um, Scatech, these are people who have operated in Africa, by the way. Really? Specifically, okay. yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Um, so Stone and Wilson are in charge of building the Malindi site. Okay. Um, you know. So that's how it happens. And all of this, from start to finish, 18 months maximum. Wow. If you say, if you say today, I announce it today on your website. Mm-hmm. And then your notice proceed. Notice to proceed is about two months. It will be constructed in twelve months.
0: A notice for, to proceed for for folks listening. In, that's what the owner gives the contractor. Like, go, go build. Mm-hmm. I like, got mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm cool with the pricing. I'm cool with the budgets. I'm cool with all the people we've hired. Go do it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's. I think sometimes we the process of creating power has become so cloudy. You yeah. know, of course, the politics on ground at what I guess, is cloudy. Yeah. Even, yeah. Sure, but yeah. the process of adding new power is actually a lot more clear, as you've just described. It's like, very I mean, clear. It's, it's, I mean, 18 months... But, but
1: don't, don't underestimate the politics, though.
0: Oh, for sure. Not,
1: for sure. And it's not, just, it's not just an African thing. It's
2: mm-hmm. not.
1: You know, like, even I was working on a project in Taiwan, and, you know, Taiwan... Is to them Taiwan call themselves China. China yeah. Taiwan does not allow the importation, they have really high tariffs on Chinese modules. Oh, it, yeah, so China produces the cheapest modules, but Taiwan places a high tax on them. And so, if you do a project in Taiwan, you pretty much have to buy Taiwanese solar, solar. modules. Yeah, that that can increase your cost by like forty percent.
2: Sheesh. Oof. Okay, it's big. It's yeah.
1: big. You know, and then you know you've got politics in South Africa where the the mining lobby is very strong. Very strong. Yeah. You've got politics in Australia. Australia should be, it's booming now because you know you know the famous um, you know when Elon Musk said to the Hornsdale facility, I can build a battery, battery solution for you in 12 weeks or something like that. He yeah. placed a bet. He said, I'll do it in 12 weeks or you'll get the money back for free or something. And so ever since then, there's been this sort of like...
0: Wait, did he build it in 12 weeks?
1: He built, he built the Hornsdale BSS, lithium iron, in record time. Reckon time? Um, let me let me do a quick Google. How long did it take him? Yeah, he placed a wager that the battery will be completed within hundred days from contract signature.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Am I
1: right? Twelve? How much is that? Twelve weeks? Was that
0: close? That's about twelve weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Before yeah, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, hundred days or hundred business days because that's a big
2: difference. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so
1: ever since then, Australia sort of had this like duh moment. Like, you know, again, the fossil fuel power industry in Australia is also, I mean,
0: they're self incentivized to retain and hold on because it's been so wildly lucrative for them for so long. Yeah, they don't have to change much about the way they drill, they just drill and get as much oil as possible. Yeah, Uh, in fact, the new innovation was almost fracking, literally. Can you imagine? got another way to get yeah. oil from, from rocks, but I think periods and
1: fracking are, is so expensive.
0: It is. It is. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's extreme. It's only. It's only benefited by high oil prices. So when the yeah. price is created so many of those companies went out of business, especially in the US, um, or are in the process of going out of business. Um, so so kind of moving on. Um, I think you've already started to allude to this, but like if if for example, you know, I happen to be president of Nigeria. Uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not and I don't intend on me. if I do end up in for the listeners, do not take this quote from the podcast anyways uh, what are good strategies that you'd like a government official somebody that's you know a governor of a state to think about I want to introduce uh, solar power to to my states. you know I want to power power with the three major cities of a total of four or five million people what do i How do I think about it?
1: Each case is different. You know. Okay. There's never been a one-size-fits-all because um, you do have to consider the local content. If you're not careful, what you can get is a Chinese contractor will come, build it. They'll bring your own people, build it for you, do the on- and uh, operational maintenance, mm-hmm. And then all you're doing is getting electricity, which I highly discourage. Um, I love the fact that South Africa has this imposed, in fact, it's black empowerment in South Africa. Wow. So you have to hire a certain number of black locals. Wow. to, To win a project, you really have to. And I like that because it means that the knowledge stays. Yeah, that's and, you know, that's, that's the big thing because Nigeria has a plethora of engineers who are oil and gas. Yeah. And we now need engineers who are renewable energy based. Because you see a lot of these, the thing is renewable energy the boom is going to take off soon, mm. and the majority of it will be in Africa because Europe is basically done, any, like energy-wise. Like, you know, you know, France is fifty percent nuclear. Right. They're slowly moving towards more wind right. and solar, um, but France is fifty percent nuclear, twenty percent hydro. They don't need much. Yeah. You know,
2: it's not Denmark.
1: Need- It's not, you know, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Iceland. Iceland is 90 percent geothermal. um, The UK have got interconnectors. To interconnectors are um, huge underground cables that connect to different countries in Europe. uh, For example, and they sell, they sell power to each other. So that's going on. You know, like Europe doesn't. Your renewable energy intake is going to grow. It has to. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the Paris Agreement, it has to. You see, so the next battleground for renewable energy development is Africa. Mm. But if the knowledge doesn't stay...
0: On the continent, then it's just... Then it's, it's, it's worthless. To be... You know, and
1: it's, it's really... We really have to be mindful of this. And this is why I believe African Union is so necessary. Yeah. And there's the, the small movements towards it. Um, you know, South Africa, the South African bloc, so South Africa, Zim, Mos, Mozambique, Angola, they formed the a bloc um, and they trade, they trade power.
2: Yeah.
1: But most of that power comes from South Africa. Right. You know, yeah. Um, and you've got the East African block. I'm so, I'm so happy about Kenya. You know, Kenya are really leading the way. Yeah. You know, the East African block. I've been talking about using one currency soon.
2: Yeah.
1: They, they're developing interconnectors between themselves. Transmission lines are a huge thing. They're a big
2: expense. Transmission lines. That's yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, you need to connect to connect. Um, I mean, your, your soul plan is useless if you're not connected to anybody. Yeah. So that infrastructure development is also necessary. Yeah. And the way, the way um, African cities are, you just need a lot of interconnectors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I know someone did a, a friend of mine did his PhD on this, and he was comparing Uganda and Kenya to India, for example. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that in India, for example, people live in like really small, densely villages and then go to the cities to work. But in large parts of Uganda and Kenya, which can be representative of Africa, people live, even the villages are so spread out. And so
2: economically, economically, it's actually very difficult to,
1: for 100% electrification in Africa yeah. because it makes no sense for the government to let me not say it doesn't make any sense. It makes no financial sense right. for them to build a heat transmission line to power one village somewhere yeah.
0: Yeah. in the bush. But well, That's yeah. I was going to say that that's why um, we, we had a guest on a few weeks ago that runs, um, helps run. He's the executive director of the Nigerian rural electrification. Yes. So things like yes. that, that's yes. not different from like, okay, the guys who focus on yeah. power lines, powering our cities. So, so that, that's almost one of the unique things that we are going to have that many developed countries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. So I think Nigeria has now accepted um, some donors, some funds for huge and um, small-scale solar okay but thing, small-scale solar will never be as efficient as yeah. you building a hundred megawatt solar farm
2: yeah it's
1: also in terms of levelized cost of electricity it's also more expensive mm. Okay. because if you're building a 500 kilowatt project for a village which is what you typically expect for a village um, a 500 kilowatt project, we can power school, power a small clinic, you know, um, power TV, some some TVs for, for the village. You've got a scaling factor in renewable, in solar in particular,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in renewable energy, mm-hmm. and the bigger you have it, the cheaper it is. The
0: cheaper it is, economies
1: of scale. Economy of scale, and and then you've got things like. Um, I've personally worked on small-scale solar. I did that in Kenya. I did that in Uganda. And what happens is, if you do not train the locals to properly manage their solar... Last time I was in Kenya, in Uganda, I saw someone using a solar panel as a tray. I saw another person using a solar panel in their garden as a sort of... um, Garden shed. You know? <laughs> this what happens. It, like, it, it happens.
0: I have to educate them because it's like, okay, this thing is useful for me to put my food on.
1: I yeah, but
0: or... if,
1: if someone hasn't taught them how to clean it, <laughs> how to maintain the inverter, how to maintain the batteries that it's connected to, not then, you know, it, it'll be done. It'll be wasted. It's a waste of money. You need local support, you need local engineering support, trained, knowledgeable people on site for it to work long-term, for it to be sustainable. And also, we really need to dispense with the idea that I don't like free, nothing should be free.
0: Yeah, we gotta pay for it. We gotta figure out how to finance these things. It's not happening. If
1: if people do not value it, if people do not pay, what I've seen face-to-face,
0: It just, it'll be a waste of money. They don't value it and they don't take care of it.
1: And the thing is, you know, when I did my research in Uganda, I, I was in this small village, Kakamega. And, um, oh Kakamega, is Kenya, actually. I was in this small village and um, I, the village didn't have electricity. They, a lot of them used batteries. And I calculated how much like a family household spends on batteries for um, lamps, lights. So typically a house will have like a torch. And it's something like 40% of the income. And even for that village, if I I brought like some solar panels to that village, and if you immediately have 40% more income, yeah. that you can use elsewhere for education for example that's an immediate an immediate benefit and that's the trouble with a lot of rural rural spaces yeah you know they are paying so much for their electricity and the electricity comes in lamps in torches yeah
2: huh. and, now- and
1: kerosene lamps if you even go further kerosene lamps are even more expensive so small-scale solar is important, and it will be important for Africa, because it just will be too expensive huh. to electrify the entire continent, it will be too expensive, yeah. it won't happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it possible that what we do is that we try and power the cities of today? And build mm-hmm. a infrastructure for powering where we want the cities of tomorrow to be. So, because like many other countries, pre-plan where the next big city is going to be. Yeah. The infrastructure, infrastructure etc., and then people congregate. Maybe Indonesia is yeah.
1: doing that. Yeah, Indonesia is doing that. They they're going to build a new capital because their wow.
0: well, their capital is sinking. Okay. Jakarta is sinking. It's all laser fair. Like oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it brings up another important conversation, you know, climate change, you mm. know, a city like Lagos, huh. Lagos is already, Lagos is built on water.
0: Yeah, if it rains in Lagos, you know? <laughs> all of us are back up, so We're swimming. <laughs> like, it's just the reality. Even the nice you know? thing, the most upscale of neighbourhoods, if it rains once, <laughs> <laughs> your cars now in submarine buckles, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're predicting by that 2040, Lagos, half of Lagos will be underwater.
0: All those island places that you got us, Yeah,
1: to. they'll be gone. They'll be gone. You know, the way the rapid rate of climate change and increasing sea levels, a lot of coastal cities yeah. will be gone. Yeah. And Kenya, you know, I, I bring up Kenya again because Kenya has been so forward-looking. They're building a new city as well. They intend to make it 100% renewable energy powered. So they're investing in wind farms, in... St- Solar in geothermal,
2: yeah.
1: and you see that diversification. So, you know, <laughs> typically, typically, if the sun isn't shining, shining the wind is blowing, because yeah. of because of how the yeah. how the geography works, you know, how the climate works, and geothermal is a constant,
2: yeah. and
1: Kenya has lots of resources for that, Nigeria has lots of resources for hydro, and obviously solar. Yeah. I'm not sure if it has a lot of potential for wind. And um, I'm not sure if it does. You need something like above four meters per second wind to really be making money. Yeah. Um, but for solar, obviously, it does.
0: No. Yeah. So there's, there is opportunity. There
1: is. There is.
0: So, I mean, you've already started to mention some of these, like, big hurdles. Um, um, I just want to that in a bubble. Um, you mentioned, you know, having a stabilized tariff system so people know who's paying for what and making sure that contractors are paying. So, like, we become a stable investment environment. Yeah. And trust. Trust, trust yeah. You mentioned trust as well. You mentioned the rights. Um, so those things are well-defined. So, so you know that if I build to a tomorrow, that the government's going to show up one day and take it away? Uh, What other major hurdles other than just kind of general politics stuff? Um, I think
1: African unity is so important. Hmm. It's so important because it's important for the African union to come together and say, let's settle who's going to build this dam. For example, the Grand Renaissance Dam. You know, it has the potential to support Sudan, Uganda, Egypt, you know, that side of North East Africa. It has the potential to, you know, six gigawatts, that's the potential for like six million people. That's a lot, a lot of power. Probably even more than six million because currently the energy consumption of Africans is a lot lower than, you know, we don't have refrigerators everywhere or aircon everywhere.
0: I was watching a video and it was like the average Nigerian is like less than a tenth of what the average American does. So if you yeah. map up, uh, like,
1: but America is a different
0: beast. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they love it. The lights on all the time. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah African unity is important because when political disputes like that arise, it's important we deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So my- and also infrastructure projects, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of Chinese investment or American investment, but we need to be really careful where we're getting our money from. Mm -hmm. We need to be more stringent with imposing local content laws and making sure the knowledge stays. We need to then, we need, education is important because a solar farm lasts for 25 to 30 years. Yeah. Ideally, you want to have local trained engineers who can do operation and maintenance. And
2: really- you want to
1: then build that knowledge base.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in 30 years, when you're building more, you, have, you can have in 30 years a Nigerian contractor who yeah. can say, we've got personnel, who have done this, this, this. Yeah. Or we can, working with the African Union board, we can say, well, let's work with let's bring in some Kenyan guys who worked on this project and let's do this, this, this. Hmm. That commonality is going to be so important because Europe does that for itself, yeah.
0: That's what it does, yeah. <laughs> Europe it.
1: Does that for you know, French, French, a French project would rather buy a German transformer,
2: yeah,
1: than a Chinese transformer. <laughs> they're, they're doing it,
0: yeah, it
1: happens. <laughs> You know,
0: we're um, going to look for our own self-interest. So.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's so important. You know, that community aspect is so important. Yeah. And I really hope, I, I think it's happening. I am, I, um, you know, when I look at how the Kenyan East African bloc is uniting, it makes me glad, you know, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, um, Djibouti, Eritrea, that kind of region they begin to work together.
2: Hmm. That's excellent, and it's
1: it's good to see. They also have a common sort of. You know, they can all speak Swahili. You know, Swahili is becoming, oh, no. you know, the, the African tongue, of sorts.
2: Um,
1: but still, you know, a- we need big giants. We need the big giants like Nigeria and South Africa to really play
0: ball. <laughs> heavy side. <sigh. laughs>
1: the thing is we're gonna Nigeria is gonna get left behind if oh, yeah. they don't turn up a country like Ghana Ghana is pursuing Ghana is already at 80% electrification so Jeez. 80% 80% of Ghanaians have access to stable electricity well,
0: swear, we're that's what not- that's
1: double yeah. that's double Nigeria yeah.
0: that whole genre, that thing is, is Ghana Ghana
1: You know, I was working on it. I was working. I remember when uh, USAID were giving out free money, grants, free money. This was part of Obama's Power Africa program. And because of some trust issues, Nigeria didn't get any. But countries like Senegal and Togo are now going to build larger, bigger, larger solar farms than Nigeria. You know, a pop- Togo doesn't even have the population of Lagos. And, Lagos you know? yeah. yep.
0: and it says a lot about where. It's like this politics stuff, it affects everything.
1: It does. It, it does. does.
0: Nigeria, you know? Because
1: it doesn't make sense anymore. Nigeria should be a leader
0: in a bunch, solar. A bunch of self infected rooms And the worst part of that is that it's not going to be too late or too late. So if we don't turn around as urgently as possible. Yeah. I wake up tomorrow and Nigeria is the least attractive to, to invest in or to live in. And then our people are getting out of Dodge and not, not to Canada, yeah. UK or to the US. They're getting going to other African countries. Um,
1: Ghana has really taken hold in, in West Africa. I think Ghana is leading. I think they just even announced they got some more money, some more funding from, um, from USAID. Was yeah. it the European Bank? But they they want to build a a twenty megawatt solar farm in Goma, which yeah. is in the center of of ghana um, they want to build a two hundred and twenty five megawatt wind farm they 've also got a hundred megawatt proposal wow. um yes, in the upper region in Ghana somewhere in Ghana um, Wow, and then you've got kenya you know kenya's they updated their um national electrification strategy They yeah. provide they've told investors this is how we want to build you so, know yeah. um give us got countries like um even burundi burundi signed up for um their 2025 framework calls for a 300 megawatt increase in renewable energy by 2020. Yeah. Nice. you know and then you've got nigeria that's <sighs> you know
0: yeah um so it's not
1: it's i, I know that people in nigeria i don't i never like being pessimistic but i don't like being rapidly optimistic nigerians can be optimistic for no reason yeah and the truth is we're getting left behind
0: yeah drain it out of you um yeah so. So just, just kind of, you kind of touched on what it, what I think is my final question questions here. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is so the question is what's the and you've already started to talk about the optimistic case for for energy. Kind of like what's what excites you or what makes you really happy. I'm not, what ex, it
1: excites me because Africa is the next battleground mm. for because solar is now so cheap it makes no sense to build coal anymore. Yes, solar. It's so, um, it's plug and play. You take your solar, you build it, you plug it into the ground, you turn the key, you put the wires in, you've got electricity. It's simple. It takes 12 months. You say, "Okay, I want solar power, I want solar power. This time next year you will have it, for sure. And... I, what's, what's it, half of Africa's population is under 21.
0: Yes. There's the labour to build it.
1: There's the labour to build it. There's labour, there's room for education, you know. And the thing is, I'm so confident that when people have access to electricity, it will improve education. Therefore, it will improve, um, it'll improve women's rights, it will improve um, biodiversity as well. Because clean air is also a big deal.
2: It is. It is. It's a big deal. Um,
1: I'm excited about that future because I see, I know of people, the diaspora, the diaspora community in the US, in the UK, who are eager to invest in these kind of projects. So I know people who are investing in small scale. You know, I know people who've helped build a, a small-scale solar for a university or for villages in Nigeria or, and they are slowly making their money back. And you see, within six, seven years, you'll make your money back. So why not? If, you, if you've already got someone you can trust and who will do your own for you in Nigeria and then all you have to do is supply. People are clocking on to this. People are building it in their villages, doing it small, small. And so then it becomes a question of local people developing a trustworthy, logistic supply chain. Mm. Um, I strongly believe, I hope that, we can bring the manufacturing <laughs> capability to Africa. Because, the, you know, the silicon is mined in Africa. Yeah. And then take it to China.
0: Take it to China, to make every glass. To make everything. Uh, and, and, em- all that stuff and then bring it back. So,
1: <laughs> I hope, I hope, I pray, that manufacturing capability is brought to Africa. Mm-hmm. So now imagine we have African-produced solar power from start to finish. Mm. We've got the engineers. There, there are a lot of African engineers that would love to come back and work on solar.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Mm. The expertise is there. The expertise is there.
1: And you know, solar is not, solar is not complicated. Relatively. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, so I'm excited about that. I, I really am excited about that. I think it's. We have no choice. So I just
0: hope. Yeah, if <laughs> we don't. If we don't, you know, we either succeed or we die. Yeah. Not, not not literally, but, um, you know, fall behind. Uh, now, for final question. The, what's the what's the pessimistic case? What concerns you, as far as? Training? Oh,
1: what concerns me is disunity.
2: Hmm. Um, It's says, you know, sometimes I get, I remember,
1: I remember one of my former companies, there were, there were, we were going to work on a project in Ghana, a solar project in Ghana, and I said, to him, oh, why, why is, why aren't we working in Nigeria? And said, we're not even allowed to fly to Nigeria. Wow. But the last time we were in Nigeria, we did a project for them, they didn't pay. And then the life of the guy got threatened and then he had to leave the country the next day. Wow. And this was still happening in 2018, 2017. And I just got so, I just get so, you know, and even total, you know, to work in Nigeria, you need, you need to make sure you're staying in one hotel, two security guards, that the deal is definitely financed. And then when, it means the markup is a lot higher because, Financials need to take that risk into account of not
2: yeah. not going yeah. through, yeah. and it, it's
1: just it's just embarrassing. It, it is, yeah. It's embarrassing, yeah. Because when you've got Kenya, Togo, Ghana mm. becoming more trustworthy, easier places, ease, ease of doing business um, yeah. is really high for them.
0: Yeah. Our, our president just think, yeah,
1: you know what. Just, just wonder.
0: Yeah,
1: Quite But again, I think Pan-Africanism is increasingly important. Mm-hmm. You know, um, eventually we need to develop interconnectors between countries. Yeah. We need to be able to, and I think doing that will also foster integration. Mm-hmm. Nigeria should be trading energy with Cameroon. We already sell a lot of electricity to the likes of Ghana and Senegal. already we do.
0: Nigeria um, has more reliable inter-country connection transmission. Yeah. Than in, inside the country.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Because yeah. it's more profitable.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think African unity is important, and I, the pessimist. The pessimistic side of me is if our leaders don't see that, and become nationalistic and look inwards. Because the truth is, if we do that, we will fail. Yeah, we will be taken advantage of. Because mm-hmm. the European bloc sees the, the, the importance of staying united. So together, they put a tariff on mm-hmm. Chinese, Chinese imports.
2: Mm-hmm. They put a
1: leverage on that. Mm-hmm. Together, they imposed, you know you have to buy transformers from Europe if you're doing a project in Europe. So the European manufacturing industry is still strong in certain places. It's important that we maintain that, you know, if Egypt is
2: doing a project and they say, um, we're going to work with our Nigerian brothers, you know, even though
1: maybe Italy will do the project cheaper,
0: have to take the- the
1: Whilst it's important to maintain, you want the best person to do the job,
2: of course. Yes. But there's an importance in, you've got to think
1: long term, you see. So these Saudi projects I'm working on, for example, Mm -hmm. almost every single one of those projects has someone a company locally working on them
0: so it's a joint venture or it's a... always a joint venture gotcha gotcha makes sense, makes sense. That's, that's that's very smart
1: yeah it's important to think long term as a continent as a continent as a continent, as a continent. Without, and i think you know looking at i feel like i speak from a biased diasporic view looking out looking from outside in but I think it's going to happen.
0: I think you know, so. I think,
1: I think us, the diaspora community, are tired of who cares what tribe you're from.
0: Even people in Nigeria, too. I think. Who cares? very well. Just, you know? yeah. I guess the point is
1: let's build the infrastructure together. Let's make, life let's, let's make life better for all of us. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, so. This has been splendid. Um, yeah. Um, it's my passion, bro.
1: This is what. I know, I know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be working. I know I'm going to be building infrastructure.
0: Yeah, let me, let's sign off to the listeners real quick yeah. and then we'll continue talking for a little bit. Um, yeah. This has been I can't. idea with Pod Save Africa. It really has been a pleasure. These are the types of conversations I built this podcast for. Um, sharing our perspectives, not just on the current situation on our continent, but on the future as well. And always explaining that there is an optimistic case and, and sharing um, why we think that's likely so um, Daniel I want to say any final words
2: thank you for
1: having me um, you know I hope I know my passion goes through um, I definitely want to back up my, my passion with facts and optimism mm-hmm. optimism with reality I hope you know we can all work together yeah. you know that's, that's my dream that's my prayer yeah. so thanks for listening
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Do you do you have social media anywhere you want them to find you? Do you have a blog you write that you want them to know about. Uh, I do poetry. You do? Hey, <laughs> hey, talk about it, man. Come on down.
1: Po- poetry is my it was my side thing.
0: It's it's my it's my baby. Where can we find
1: it? Um, Danieldemilade.wordpress.com.
0: Yeah, so if you're great.
1: Nigerian, that should be no.
0: You know, it's worries. kind of weird. I just remembered that we both have the same middle name. Oh and, really? Yeah, we do don't um, we? Yeah. Name first name? Or you can us? Yeah. I, we go. So it's it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what our parents are on. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, cousin, it's, it's been a pleasure. Uh listeners so much for, for listening and really appreciate you guys. And uh we will see you soon. Follow us at Graphic on Instagram and we'll, we'll talk soon.